So a lot of what's on my heart right now is knowing that wherever you think you're incapable of belonging, wherever you think you don't belong, that I implore you to find people that are going to tell you, are you fucking crazy? That room is yours because you do belong. And we need to see more voices in leadership wherever you are right now. There is someone one step behind you that could use what you have to say. And I think that's the powerful thing about what you're doing, Alex, about what we do together. It's we're not fucking superheroes here. We're just willing to share what we do. And we're willing to say, hey, this is what I've learned. And you two listening to this, there is someone that you could support because every single story matters and you do belong. The Fitness Lifestyle Fundamentals podcast, we talk about behavioral change, mindset, fitness as in exercising and nutrition, which includes what we're consuming with our eyes and our ears. This is Miss Ali Hernandez. She is an incredible friend of mine. Ali is an amazing coach in leadership and career. Um, she knows all about behavioral change and mindset. So today we're going to dive into a little bit about that. Ali, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and kind of how you got started in coaching and helping empower other people. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, that alone. So look, you know, my name is Alejandra. I'm really glad to be here. And what I do is career coaching, leadership development, and I also do corporate wellness consulting. And so a huge passion of mine is how do we create a workplace where people can actually thrive? And so I do that on a business to consumer model. So if people are in the entrepreneurship space, you usually have like a B2C or a B2B. I actually do a mixture of both. On the B2C side, I work with individuals, primarily women of color, Latinas in the workplace to feel stronger about who they are, feel more confident about who they are. You talked about behavioral change. There's a lot of that, the mindset piece, so that they can show up powerfully at work and make more money and get promoted and feel good in and outside the office. And then I also recognize the many ways that the workplace can be just in layman's terms, it's toxic, a very toxic place for people to be in. And a lot of that really has to do with the fact that we're humans. And if we're not aware of the baggage we have, we just go around harming other people, sometimes unintentionally, sometimes intentionally. And so on the corporate wellness consulting side, I do a lot of work with businesses to support them in creating workshops and micro e-learning content. That's really all around stress management. I have a few business partners. So we also talk about ergonomics and nutrition and leadership and communication. So I have this really deep love and interest and curiosity around how do we make work a better place, not only for the people in it, but also the people that are perpetuating the culture of a workplace. How do we make that a better place to be? So that's a bit about what I do. Now, how I got here is, um, you know, I, I'm still working out how do I shorten this story, but a little bit about how I got here. So I'm first gen, meaning I'm the first generation to be born and raised here in the United States and also to go to college. And for me, the whole world of getting to college, working in the corporate space was so messy and so confusing and very lonely. And I graduated and I wound up spending seven years in what I call the cycle of shitty jobs, where I just went from one job to another job, to another job, to another job. 
And eventually I got to a place where I had that epiphany moment where it's like, the common denominator is me. And I really had to swallow that bitter pill and be like, what's going on here? Why do I keep just switching jobs and switching jobs and switching jobs? At some point, I had to really look within. And that's what I did after seven years of doing the cycle of shitty jobs. I had to have a moment to be like, what the hell is going on? And how do I break the cycle so that my next move can be purposeful? And so I decided to take a break. I was fortunate enough that I had saved up some money. I took a break. I traveled for a bit. And then I had this, you know, aha, I was like, I'm going to go into college admissions because if you're first gen, meaning you're the first generation, are you the first generation to go to college, Alex, by any chance? I'm not. Okay. So if, if you are, a lot of people will understand and resonate with the fact that like, it's just confusing. Like, we don't know what the hell's going on. What's a FAFSA? We don't know how to translate these documents to our parents. And it's very confusing. And so I, as I was traveling, I was like, oh my God, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back and I'm going to learn the college admissions process. I'm going to help other, like, I've always had a soft spot for the Latinx community, for people of color, like that, the black and brown communities. I was like, I'm going to go back and I'm going to make sure that I can help these other like first gen people get into college. And so I wind up applying to like, you know, this job, this, um, it wasn't actually even a job. It was just a company that I found. I was like, oh, I'm going to see if they need help. And I wind up fast forward. I wind up going into this company. I sell myself. I pitch myself. I'm like, I can do this, 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 this. And I'm like, okay, like, why don't you come in as an intern? Mind you, I'm like 27. I'm 27. And they're like, you know, you can be an intern. We're going to pay you like, I don't know, like $500, like a month or something. Like I got adult bills. I'm over here like, sure. Yeah, we'll make it work. And I start working in this place. And the reason why I tell this whole story is because it was really through just following these nudges that got me to a place that I never planned, which was coaching. So I thought I was going full blown like college admissions. I'm going to learn this thing and help other people in college admissions. And I go into this company and they had just started a career coaching department. And mind you, I'm there and I'm like, uh, coaching, like, what's that? Like, no thanks. Like, I'm not interested at all. Like, I'm not interested. I'm like, I have no interest in that. And even Alex, I was starting to hear that whisper that, you know, that into it, you know, that little whisper that happens. <laughs> yeah. I've started to hear that whisper that goes, just check it out. And I was like, no, I'm here for college admissions. And I was like, I was really trying to like, just avoid and ignore that whisper. But eventually I was like, you know what? what am I resisting? My, what I was resisting was like, you had a plan and you need to stick to it. And that's not what you came for and all these different things. But I was like, there's a whisper there though. So let me just explore it. And that's how I wind up in career coaching. I was like, Hey, you could use some help. I'd be happy to help. Can I help? And they were like, awesome. And once I enter like the first week that I was in the space, I like my mind was, <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> And I was like, this is it. And that is how I entered career coaching. Not because I was like, this is what I've always wanted to be. It was through just following these nudges and following that voice that led me to coaching. Beautiful. What, I mean, I could relate to many parts of that. <laughs> the nudges, the, I have a plan and it's going to go exactly this way or else, you know, amazing. It's amazing how we think, the opposite things in life or the scariest things in life that we think we're maybe going to fail at, or we know really nothing about, or we maybe have feelings of inadequacy. That was what it was like for me starting a business. 
And mm-hmm. I'm going back to the corporate world. I'm sorry, guys, like you can't have me. <laughs> it was really interesting to hear you speak about listening to these voices and these nudges. And I'm really interested in hearing about how you got to actually to act on them. Was it a sense of curiosity or was it just, you know, you're so fed up with your corporate job that it's like, I got to get out of here. It, that Those are the things that I think are the, almost like a foundation of behavioral change. It's, mm-hmm. you know, we need to do something, but how do we actually move in that direction? Yeah. Okay. That's a great one. And so when I started coaching, I was coaching in a company. So I was a career coach under a company and that I would say was really this, openness to just being aware of what was going on. And so just hearing the voice and then that being like, you know what, instead of avoiding the voice, like, let me just explore it. So it was that curiosity piece there. And then being able to manage my mind, meaning looking at, okay, what is stopping me? I have a lot of resistance around this was my plan. And this was my plan. And then once I stopped and think and thought about it, it was like, look, it's still a part of my plan. It doesn't mean I'm throwing away the plan. I'm just being curious about this. So that's how I help myself there. Now, what definitely feels a lot more scary for me was when I decided to go off on my own, when I decided to start my own coaching business. And that was also another thing of having that voice where I wanted doing a professional development program that was in total four months long. When I had started this job at the company. And I, in the midst of that, like I started there and then a month later, I started this, this, um, this professional development program. And this was actually my first time really investing in a professional development program. And so for me, it was like new. And so at the same time that I discovered coaching, like career coaching, I will say under the company was a lot more on the like interview prep resume review, like a lot more tactical, But when then I started the professional development program, I was like, oh, so there's also like this mindset. There's also this like you could literally change your life and your habits and like all these different things. At the end of that professional development program, it was March 5th. I will never forget this day. It was March 5th of 2020. At the end of that professional development program, I heard the whisper that go that went, we don't want to be in a nine to five anymore. And as soon as I heard that whisper, it was the scariest feeling because then I knew I just felt it in my body and I was like, oh no, I don't want to do that. (laughs) Like it was this fear. It's like, I felt, I didn't feel relief. I didn't feel inspired. I felt scared. I was like, I don't want to do that. That's really scary when I heard that voice. And then March 15th of 2020 happened. And if you were alive, you know, the freaking world shut down. And as soon as the world, like the world went under lockdown and I said, nope, I literally was like, that voice was not here. It didn't happen. And I just completely gaslit myself. And I was like, that's the most ridiculous thought ever. And I shut it out. And so how did I finally get myself to listen to that voice? I will say that there are a few different things. One, investing in myself, having a coach being around people that are in this, what we may coin, what we say as like a growth mindset, 
people that are looking to level up and do more and, you know, also be aware, like be like, well, why do I think this way? That was a huge, huge reason why I was little by little becoming more and more open to the voice that I shoved away because I was so afraid. So investing in yourself, whether that's through a professional development program, a one-on-one coach, um, it could be a therapist, it could be a networking group. You know, there's many different ways with being around people that are in that space. And the second thing I would say was also considering, okay, what is the worst case scenario? So I've done that a few times on the biggest decisions of my life that have felt the scariest. And so it's called the worst case scenario game. Whenever you're really afraid of doing something and there's that voice that's like telling you, hey, we really want to do this, but you're really afraid, go through the worst case scenario, meaning like, what's the worst thing that could happen if you pursue that decision and really have at it. And your brain probably won't have a super hard time because our brains are really good at being very dramatic and, you know, thinking of the worst things ever. But I always encourage my clients to go even deeper. So it's like, oh, well, what if I fail? I'm like, no, 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 go deeper than that. I actually want you to be so specific. I want you to tell me exactly how you're going to fail. I want you to tell me how bad is that failure going to be? How embarrassing is that failure going to be? And to go really down that hole, because what I found when I did that game was that I found two different things. One, the reality of the worst case scenario could happen to me even in a job. So one of the things is like, well, what if I like don't get any work? And the reality that a lot of us saw in the pandemic was like, your job ain't really as secure as you think a lot of times. And we're seeing that right now. If you're in the career world, the tech industry is getting really hit hard right now, but we're seeing layoffs happen left and right. And there's a lot of hiring too. So I'm not going to say there isn't, but there's a lot of layoffs. And so I got to see in the worst case scenario game, I was like, oh, but that could happen to me in a job anyway. And then the other thing I got to see was I can always go back. I can always go back to a job. And when that, when I really recognized that under my worst case scenario game, I was like, I could just go back. Like, okay. And then I was really able to get the courage to do the thing that was scary anyway. So I would say those were the biggest things, being around people that are about this work and then doing the worst case scenario game to really allow myself um, to explore what is it that I'm really afraid of? And is that scary enough for me to not want to go after the thing that I think is possible if I do it. Yeah, absolutely. I I love that. I'm, I am going to play that game with myself now. Even I think at something that people tend to not talk about is even as a coach and even as a professional, it can be scary because you so badly want to help other people and you know the value that you can bring to them. But the reaching out to people, the you know, Hey, I have something that can help you. That can be terrifying. So I will definitely use that. I've actually been to one of your workshops, the empowerment workshop, and it was amazing. Allie, literally, I remember the call that we had, uh, when I first, uh, kind of got in my head that I wanted to leave my job and girl, I was a wreck. I think (laughs) you probably remember, but I was, was, guys, I was crying over the (laughs) her like you know sobbing like seriously writing down everything she's telling me and it it helped me tremendously it gave me things to to focus focus on what are my fears like you said you do encourage your clients to dig deeper and that's the key that needs to be switched to be unlocked for a lot of people what is that fear what is holding you back 
And I'm really interested in hearing about um, in one of your videos on kind of the the why on your link tree on your Instagram, which we'll link in the comments below, you speak about balancing the masculine and feminine. And I'm curious as to what role that kind of plays in career and especially in fitness. Um, and if you have any thoughts on that, I I find myself even a little bit on the masculine side of just hustle. And I'm trying to, you know, sink into that soft feminine side. And, um, you know, I can tell you it's been difficult. And then there's a lot of people struggling, a lot of women struggling to get into that masculine. And let's push a little further, especially in the gym. Like I meet a lot of resistance and, um, you know, lifting weights is going to make me bulky. It's very much a, a cliche, but it's still a very real fear. I had this fear for a long time as well. So I'm interested as to the masculine versus feminine and how we can balance the two of them. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So first I want to just talk a little bit in case, um, I'm not sure how familiar listeners are with like masculine and feminine and like what that really, so, so that we're speaking the same language, the way that I really talk about it is feminine being that kind of the receiving kind of being like the openness receiving that yin for some people if you think about yin and yang and then the masculine very much being the structure being discernment being that like go 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 and so when we look at those in those two ways I do find generally it is more common to find people leaning towards the masculine because we live in a patriarchy world we live in a patriarchy society and so we value what we see things that are tend to be male dominated and so how does that really show out when it comes to work now in terms of for example me as an entrepreneur especially as an entrepreneur and there's so many layers to this as an entrepreneur I am what I think about is like the method of whatever I eat is what I hunt I don't just have food delivered to me is the way that it works out here. So it's like, I, if I'm not going to put in the work, then I'm not going to generate the results. And that is similar into the job. Like if you're at a job and you're not doing anything, eventually you will get fired. But there's a lot more of a structure there for you to flow through and be like, okay, this is what I'm doing. You're like getting fed many times what you are doing versus an entrepreneurship. You've got to create that structure. So in a lot of times for me, the balance has really been around how do I create the structure meaning that like very masculine, how do I create the structure so that I can hold space for the feminine, which flows, which can be chaotic, which can really ebb and go. And so really make space for that and having the dance between the two. And that has been an incredible challenge as an entrepreneur and going back into like, if you're working in a job, working in a career, it's really being able to see how do you merge these two different sides that many times coexist in all of us so that you can show up in your version of leadership. So as an example, one of um, my pet peeves about the career world is what we call hard skills and what we call soft skills. Yep. So when you think about hard skills, a lot of times you're thinking about things like, you know, something mathematical. When you think about hard skills, you're thinking about like the ability to code, thinking about very technical things like that. And then when you think about soft skills, there are usually things like empathetic listening, like active, you know, like communication and like things like that. And I don't like the language because I think language is really important. It's the way that we understand the world is through language. And so we call something soft and we call something hard. Well, generally speaking, if there is something that is soft, we don't see that as good. 
So we even see it in our language, like uh, men will sometimes call each other like, oh, you're so soft. And it's like, uh, it's a negative thing. It's not something where it's like they're saying it in a positive way. And so I think language is important and, and it's something that bothers me because what usually you will see when it comes to these hard versus soft skills is a lot of times what you will see is that masculine and then the feminine where soft skills are things that women tend to lean towards, not always, but generally tend to lean towards. Women tend to lean towards collaboration. It's just, we live in a patriarchy world. It's very capitalistic. That says competition. And if you win, then I lose and all these different things. And it conditions us to really be in a world where we think competition is the only way. But women tend to lean towards collaboration. Women tend to be better at remembering things about people. That's why we tend to be better about helping if you're in a heterosexual relationship. We tend to be better at helping our partner remember like, oh, we have that baby shower. We have that birthday. We have that thing there. You know, it's just like a general thing. We tend to remember these things. We tend to remember details a bit better. We tend to listen at a higher capacity to people because of that. We tend to have really great people skills. We tend to really care about like, are people being taken care of? Are people doing well? which is why you'll see in the corporate world like when it comes to executive level roles a lot of the times these are male dominated except if you look at human resources mm. human resources tends to be a female dominated place why well this these are the people that take care of people and so that that is where i bring in the masculine and the feminine is like we'll begin to see where do you have that feminine qualities where maybe you have felt that they're not as important because they are these soft skills because they don't prove tangible things like i increased revenue by 20 percent and all these different things which are both are important and both need to be blended in in order to create a leadership style that works for you so i think those are the biggest things to really understand are like what are these feminine qualities that allow me to be a strong leader through communication, through connection, through active listening, through coaching, these different avenues? And then what are the masculine qualities that allow me to also do my job well, like scheduling my meetings, like reviewing what's up for the week, like, you know, being able to have very direct communication, because sometimes that's what it takes. Like it takes very direct communication with people and balancing those things together and not making one more important than the other one, but that both coexist. That's beautiful. I love that. And yeah, soft versus hard skills. Like you said, it does the soft skills usually tend to be more feminine and not as as much, but in order to actually make a corporate world work, you have, it's necessary to have those soft skills. So they tend to get pushed to the side. I'm really interested if there's a way to almost leverage your feminine side or, and also your masculine side to actually do the deep work in changing your behaviors or in changing your mindset from maybe a not so positive place to a more empowered place. Curious to hear. Yeah. Thoughts. Okay. Ooh, that's really good. So one of the things that I think in terms of using masculine and fem feminine to, for behavioral change, for really changing your mindset, that's what you're asking, right? Okay. Okay. And so when I think about that, one of the things that I think is really important is when we are creating change, when we are going to do something different, understand that your brain is going to freak out. Your brain is going to say, no, we don't like this. This is different. 
at first, what could happen, it could happen from the, like from jump from the beginning, or you could have that like momentum, that energy of like, we're going to do this and we're going to like change. We're going to, you know, be more confident. We're going to speak up in that meeting. We're going to request that like salary raise, or we're going to start hitting the gym, like whatever it may be. You may have that boost in that serotonin. You may have that boost and like that motivation. And then your brain's going to freak out, but best believe your brain is going to freak out. That is a guaranteed your brain is going to freak out about this change. And so one of the biggest things when it comes to masculine and feminine is the masculine is what is your plan? What is your structure? How are you going to support yourself when your brain freaks out before that moment happens so that you already have something in place? That's the structure. Right. And then the feminine is that flow. It's that receiving, it's that allowance. It's the receiving of support. It's the like, okay, I actually really need to be seen right now. I need to be held right now. I need to be witnessed right now. Whether it's like me crying or whether that's like me being like, I need help to get to the gym this week, like that receiving part. And then also what's really important about like that feminine as well is it allows you to really, and when you mix these two masculine and feminine, it allows you to really see and call bullshit on yourself or support yourself where there really needs to be a change. So as an example, let's say someone created the plan that like, I'm going to go to the gym five times a week and then they start going. And then I don't know, like they hurt themselves or someone in their family gets sick. It's that feminine side that goes life flows. Like it's kind of chaotic. It's okay to be like, oh, you know what? I actually do need to shift things versus like the super structure and the rigorous is like, we have to do it this way. That's how you begin to really change mindset by being able to have the structure, being able to have a plan before things get difficult. Because when things do get difficult, it's so hard for your brain to be in problem solving. My coach says that when emotions are high, intelligence is low. And I have to like remind myself that a lot. That's why you create structures and those plans for you so that you know, like, oh, okay, I'm feeling this way. Like, let me reach out to whatever. Let me do this thing. And then the feminine side receives that help. That feminine side also goes like, where do things actually need to flow? Because this isn't working. Not because I want to quit, not because, or you might want to quit, but not because I'm going to quit. It's just like things need to change. And I think that's the really important thing and beautiful thing about feminine leadership is that flow that it has that we don't see very often in our world because it's so masculine dominated. I love that. I think also when you get stuck in the masculine of go, go, go. And when things don't go to our planned, at least for me, I tend to get stuck in a victim mindset and it's mm-hmm. take a step back. And I recognize that life is not always going to go to my plan. And I step into that feminine power that it's, you know, I can recuperate from this. It doesn't have to be exactly how I want it to be because the reality is, like you said, life happens. We can't control other people, external situations, what people say to us, what they do to Mm us, you know, um, what a corporate job, what our boss says to us, you know, they may wake up and be in a really bad mood and who knows Mm -hmm and affect us but we have the choice of of power of empowering ourselves to choose mm-hmm. how to react and how we're going to move forward and how we're going to have that contingency plan and in my four pillars of fitness lifestyle which I teach to my clients we I always make it a point that 
fitness goes beyond just the physical exercising. It's how you're exercising your mind. So we get to the our exercising, our behavioral change and the actual exercising is just the means in which we can learn how to have self-love, how to become disciplined, how to trust ourselves. And I'm interested in hearing, um, you know, how fitness, physical fitness has affected your life and what that does for you. And then how it also affects your, you know, the behavioral change, your self-love, the self-trust, confidence, all of those things. Um, I'm really interested to see how it kind of wraps it all in. Yeah. I love this question. Cause I don't, I don't talk about my physical fitness journey much since, you know, I'm in the career space. And, and, and so I love, I really love that you asked that question. So my fitness journey started when I was 19. I did not play sports growing up. Alex, you couldn't have me walk anywhere. I used to work at a grocery store that was like, maybe a mile away and I would rather be late (laughs) yeah I would rather be late to work than to walk like I would rather stay home and wait for someone to come pick me up and take me to my job than to walk and so physical fitness was not my thing at all and when I started physical fitness it wasn't you know in true like such a um sacrificing like almost just pouring out of an empty cup kind of situation that a lot of times women can do. I didn't even start working out for myself. Mm -hmm. I started working out because I started dating someone who had gotten injured and wasn't able to work out for a long time. And I think maybe had gained a little bit of weight and was like feeling a little bit self-conscious. So I was like, well, let's just work out together. I was like, falling in love, you know, that young love. And I was just like, I was like, we could do it. We could work out together. I hated it. I hated it. And so we started to work out and that is what got me into my fitness journey. It started at 19 and I will say it's gone through so many phases. So I'm about, I'm 30. So it's been 11 years since I entered that journey and it's gone through many different phases in the beginning. It was that like cardio, 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 cardio. (laughs) It's just like always cardio. And that's how much, (laughs) what'd you say? I said, no, no wonder you hated it. So (laughs) exactly. I was like, this is awful. And then of course, once winter hit, I didn't, I, I, I'm from the Northeast. I'm from Maryland. And so once the winter hit, I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. This is awful. And then I wind up getting, so first it was cardio. Then I started to go into the gym and started to actually go in there. And then I went through the whole phase of feeling uncomfortable. Like I didn't really know what to do. Um, There's all these guys and it just feels like all these different things. And I will say for such a long time, my physical fitness journey and my eating, they they were very much together where such a yo-yo dieting, it was such a way that I would just continuously reiterate to myself that I wasn't good enough as I was. So I was like constantly like, I have to work out more. I have to do this or I have to eat less and like all these different things. And so as I continue to grow in that, I think one of the biggest things when I moved to Miami, so this is now I'm like five years into my fitness journey. I do the whole 30, which for those that don't know is similar to a paleo diet. So it's basically meats, veggies, just think about meats and veggies, really, like you're eating whole foods, you're encouraged to, you know, cook primarily all these different things. 
And that's where I started to then begin to shift how I eat, but it was super slow. It just like, for me, I can honestly say that it took like eight years. If I'm no, if I'm saying it's a little, it's, it took me like nine years to really get to a place where I'm like, Oh, my body's okay. Like I, okay, this is a good body. I have a great body. And then physical fitness from that place is so different. Because now I'm like really honoring what I need and what pushes me, but what my body needs, what isn't overworking it while still nourishing myself. And that has been incredibly powerful. So even while I was doing like this really toxic working out, working out and eating too little, those things, it was still teaching me that I had the capacity to do something that I set my mind to. So even then, even in that toxic place, I was still learning something and I needed to go through all that, I believe, in order to get to this place now. And now what I would say is I eat when I'm hungry. I don't when I'm not. I work out. And one of the biggest things that I've actually noticed in the past year is really getting back into the weights. I have found myself, you know, as an entrepreneur, like I just, I, I got a lot going on and sometimes I can find myself put working out on the, you know, on the tail end. And so for me, what it's been really big is I'll actually do videos where I'll post on LinkedIn, which is where I, I do a lot of my content where it's like what I learned in work in my workout session applies to life. And a lot of the things are around going beyond that last rep when you really think you're done and realizing your mind's going to quit before you're actually done. That's a huge lesson. Your mind's going to quit before you are actually done. And working out is what showed me that. It's like, oh, it's like, I think this is my last rep, but there's actually one more if I'm just willing to, to do it and even fall. Like if I'm willing to do it, try it and maybe like fall flat, those things. Um, and so that's another one. And then also remembering it teaches me the lesson of the ebbs and flows of life. I can't expect that my whole life I'll be like, you know, going to an actual physical brick and mortar gym five times a week for an hour. Like, you know, it's just things ebb and flow in life and my workout will also ebb and flow with it. But what's really important for me is that I have consistency in moving my body. That's a non-negotiable. So even if I'm not like going to the gym I'm taking walks. I'm doing a yoga session at home. Like movement is just simply a non-negotiable for me because it's so embedded in who I am. And so if it is something that someone is exploring, one, Alex is phenomenal at this and can support you in actually getting your journey started and sustainable. But the other thing is understanding that there are phases to this. It starts somewhere. And one day I promise you it will integrate into your life in a way you never thought was possible. I never thought that it would be possible for me to have a healthy relationship with food. Like I remember crying Alex and being like, when am I going to stop doing this to myself? When am I going to stop binge eating and then starving? And I just remember those days. And like, if you're even in that phase, just know that if you stay committed to this, there is another end of it. If you really figure out like, where can I love myself more? Where can I take care of myself more? There's a place where you can find that flow for you. It just takes some of that failure to get there. Absolutely. Oh man, that was just so be beautiful. I, I gotta like, let that that sink in. I really want the, the listeners, if you're listening to this, Allie, 
your vulnerability is what we need more of in the fitness industry. And I can relate a hundred percent crying over the food. It's taken me years as even as a trainer to become consistent in eating because there's such an mm-hmm. attachment to eating. And mm-hmm. the goal of fitness is for life. It's not just to get jacked and get ripped and like all those bodybuilders you see and you know have the dream body because it's just an illusion it's just a societal you know norm that is unsustainable unattainable and if you actually listen to the people that are completely shredded they're miserable they're hungry all the time they're tired <laughs> yeah. you know it's it's not pleasant um yeah. the goal is to be able to do it for life and if mm-hmm. we like you said movement number one important thing in nourishing our body and taking care of our body so oh man wow thank you so much for that so beautiful um I do want to wrap it up and the last question I have for you is if you could leave the listeners with one thing what would it be ah okay oh with one thing well let me just sink into or a few things (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Mm. Okay. Well, right now in the midst of launching a group coaching program that I'm calling Latinas in Leadership. And so a lot of what's on my heart right now is knowing that wherever you think you're incapable of belonging, wherever you think you don't belong, that I implore you to find people that are going to tell you are you fucking crazy? That room is yours because you do belong. And we need to see more voices in leadership. Wherever you are right now, there is someone one step behind you that could use what you have to say. And I think that's the powerful thing about what you're doing, Alex, about what we do together. It's we're not fucking superheroes here. We're just willing to share what we do and we're willing to say, hey, this is what I've learned. And you two listening to this, there is someone that you could support because every single story matters and you do belong. Oh, that's so beautiful. And it's so true. There is a room for someone waiting to be walked in by them. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much for your time. It has been such a pleasure. I'd love to have you back on the podcast in the future. I wanted to touch on so many, so, so many more topics. And I appreciate the vulnerability, the honesty and sharing about what you do. Um, I'm going to drop all of your links below. If you don't mind, I'll link to your workshop. So anyone that's interested can sign up. Allie is amazing. She has helped me in my own coaching business and really just incredible. Um, Thank you instagram at empower her change and it's her at the end of empower yeah yeah we'll Um, put the link in the yeah like alex said we'll put the link in the comments and then um, i'm active on linkedin so if you're on there send me a message i'm also active on instagram but yeah it's e-m-p-o-w-h-e-r so it's empower her change you can find me on there and i'd love to hear from you what your biggest insight was what your biggest nugget was from listening to this podcast Yeah, let us know, guys. And thank you again, Allie. We will speak soon and I'll see you guys next week. Mm